0: welcome everyone to episode 20 what did i say two yeah paying attention good stuff <laughs> episode 22 of darren matthews and sometimes friends the podcast where i talk to people much more interesting than myself i'm joined today by a journalist extraordinaire and also freelance
1: yes always freelance, yeah. so
0: uh hire this woman <laughs> she's got a mortgage <laughs> Uh, Amanda first, and Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me along. We were just discussing how this is a taste of your own medicine because you run around the world throwing mics in front of people and going, "Give us a quote, there, will you?"
1: Yeah, no, it's weird for me to be somebody that answers questions, but here, here we are, so I'll give a, give it my best rattle.
0: Lovely. I also feel bad as well because um, obviously this morning you were on the radio. Was that a phone in, or did you have to go to studio?
1: It was it was a phone in from the house, so I uh, I, every, I was reading up everybody with their International Women's Day events, and um, I was on. Radio Ulster with uh, Nelson McCausland talking about whether or not Queen's University was a cold house for unionists, and uh, <laughs> we have very different views on that. So I was on the Nolan Show this morning, um, so that was how my day started. Chatting to to Nelson, and uh, he accused me. Right. I, he accused me of ageism and racism, uh, which I think was because I said that he was. Uh, I was sort of sick of the chorus of sort of privileged, uh, white. Uh, middle-aged middle-class men all saying the same thing about queens and i just don't think that it's grounded in reality i think obviously their individual um circumstances and incidents that happen uh, but you know the you know it's not like it's a hotbed of like hostility towards unionism i think that it's called queens like
0: i was the point i was going to make was <laughs> it is the queen's university is yeah, yeah so. un- until they change it to uh <laughs> Roger Casement High I wouldn't be fucking panicking for the unionists like that yeah but that, that's mad as well where there's like ah it's a it's, it's a cold house for unionists I'm just like that's weird because on the flip side of that you couldn't get into Trinity if you went to Mass until about the 70s
1: I think there was there was a weird sort of thing earlier in the week though. there was a lot of debate on social media about uh, people wearing GAA jerseys on campus and yeah. I was just like you know that's someone just showing pride in their county it's nothing to do with the IRA it's nothing to do with you know whatever you might be assuming or thinking that it is um, and I think that I don't know just the more that we talk about like British and Irish identity in the north or Northern Ireland whatever you call this place and the more like the conversation about Brexit and the border pole and the future of here comes up I think that people are focusing in on stuff that doesn't actually mean anything it's not, it's not about the jerseys it's about the bigger picture that they're worried about the future um, and I think it's wrong because I think Queen's has done a lot to try and um, you know promote equality and diversity and all that stuff so needless to say Nelson and I didn't uh, see eye to eye this morning but you know that's alright
0: that's fine. But the other thing is as well, I mean, it's guys like Nelson McCausal, and there's there's a couple of problems with you. Number one, your open mindedness probably, your acceptance of other people. Uh, you're a woman, obviously. So why would you have an opinion? I mean you're not even allowed to join the Orange Order, so uh Who's listening to what you're saying, about
1: <laughs> I, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave Nelson's lawyer to get in contact with you over that one. No, I. Um, you
0: can accuse me of whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> you can't get you can't get blood from a stone, lad. If you're looking a few yes. pounds, I don't got none. No,
1: it's been a weird day for me today because I, I started off doing that, and that's the kind of thing that I usually do. Um, but then I had to, I'm um, getting into a business venture with a, a couple of friends, and we had to go and get our photographs taken, and it's just like from one uncomfortable scenario to another except this isn't uncomfortable because we're having pints so that's great I in to say to you, thank you for showing up looking
0: <laughs> lovely for an audio recording
1: <laughs> yes yeah, so I feel like my ma I've got the red nail polish on and my hair all uh, blow dried nice yeah I, have, I had to get her photographs taken today um so I, I'm, I'm used to being on the other side, you know, seeing the photographers working. So it was a bit of crack today. And then, of course, uh, coming down here now, I'm usually a, a, asking questions and now I'm answering them. So I was I was going to be cheeky and be all like, what are you going to ask me about? And then I thought that's one of the things that journalists I hate the most. Whenever people are like, tell me what you're going to ask me. And obviously, if it's a politician or whatever else, you don't, you know, you won't give over your, your questions in advance. Um, so I, that's why I refrained from... Sam, what are you gonna ask me about? And just just decided to wait and see well, what you came well, up with. Well, one of the what points you want to, to, to
0: know to start on as you as you were going from Queens, I know it's it's always great to think of something to say in an argument after you've left the thing. But has anyone ever pointed out the people that are like there weren't GA yeah, tops in university? Someone should probably point out that all of the all of the most of the great teams and most of the trophies and a lot of the stadiums are named after Protestants.
1: Well, there is that, and um, so don't
0: be panicking. Yeah, people.
1: yeah, and somebody like one. <laughs> of, I was like,
0: my county wears orange. You know what I mean? Camera yourselves that?
1: A girl phoned in, um, you know, to say she's a unionist. Her experience at Queen's wasn't that. You know that, like, fellas in her class were wearing Linfield tops and Ranger tops and all the rest of it. And that's the way it should be. You know, people were saying to me earlier in the week, uh, you know, it should be a neutral space, like work. And I was like, no, it's not. It's like a, it's a place of education and learning. It's not the same, you know. And if if Prince William and Kate, who were down in Galway. If they can be okay, you know, like they were playing, you know, the kid, all the kids were out in their own needles top, and they were given football a go, and they had, you know, hurling and you know, doing all the rest of it. And it's just like, well, they're like the they're like the Uber unionists, so they not so yeah, like well, if they, they don't, are if,
0: the if, union, supposedly, yeah.
1: So. so if they don't have a problem, I don't see why anybody else should. And I just think, I think everybody needs to cool their jets, just relax, calm down, realize that like we're from a place that is contested. Yes, we've got peace and all that sort of stuff, but like some of us are into the union and monarchy and all those things. Some of us are into United Ireland and all of those different things and that's all right. You know, it's it's fine and, you know, it'll be, a border poll will be called and it'll be a democratic vote. So up until that point, like, can we not just get along? I just want everybody to get along.
0: Yeah, I know you're like, <laughs> don't panic as well because, I, I mean, the Brexit thing, I remember you did a piece on that for, was it Rudgers And you contacted me. Yep. You're like, I need somebody. <laughs>
1: They're like, who do I know on the border that's from <laughs> Darren, what are
0: you up to? And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't even think I was, I was in the country. I was a
1: cross-border worker at the time you were doing work in Dublin. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was working with
0: my brother. We were building stuff in the south because uh, Mexicans aren't going to build it themselves. Um, do you ever find it funny that we call them Mexicans, but we're the one crossing the border for work?
1: I have to be careful <laughs> what I say here. I've, I've been called a Mexican a few times in, in my life for some reason, I don't know. Um, but uh, I, ha- I did have this argument with a girl from RD. She was like, no,
0: you're the Mexicans because you live across the border. And I was like, but you're south of the border down Mexico way. That's how the song goes.
1: Exactly. And then you get into Donegal and all the different arguments about who's where and what. And then you get into the... Do you know one thing I didn't realise? I didn't realise that so many people in the South hate us calling it the South. Like, it's a real... like It it seems to be a real issue for some people. They just don't like it. And they were like, well, you know... Well, hang on a second.
0: They call us the Grim North. Or the Grey North. The dark. Yeah. The dark, dark North. Fuck off if we're just pointing out your (laughs) geography.
1: (laughs) It's like you have to be careful whenever you're you're speaking about things and you, to try not to offend everybody. But the way I do, like the, the dairy London dairy thing, I would never correct someone with what they say. I grew up calling it dairy. That's what I call it. Obviously, like if London dairy's in the title, I'll say that. But it just doesn't naturally come to me, and I'm sick of whenever you know I say the north. The, of hearing people saying, you know, you, you're not respecting this place. And I'm like, I am. Like, I'm happily enough to say Northern Ireland and the North, it's just a bit of flexibility. I think people need to be a bit more grown up about those sort of things. But like, a lot of my life is people, you know, everybody, most people are sweet, but there are quite a few people that will. Ha- like harass and go on and on and, and come after me over those sort of issues, and I'm sick of having the same argument with them.
0: I mean, so far we're eight minutes in, and you have three <laughs> times you've said I have to be careful what I say. Yeah. This is how your subjects feel <laughs> when you're interviewing people. And and they're like, like, "Look, I have to be careful what I say," and you're like, "No, please,
1: oh. say something like can print." <laughs> I have two drinks in front of me as well, so that we wouldn't have to pause the recording. So,
0: oh, give it forty-five minutes; she'll should be, should be very confused. I say three or four pints, we can probably have you singing ra songs or something. be all right. Oh, it'll be fun, but um, I think so. No, I know, but we have. Uh, that's what I'm saying. But you, you're one of your things. What I noticed that you're doing because I, I follow you on, on social media, and it's always fun to see where's Amanda this week, because you're covering yeah. elections, and then you're like, I'm up in Stormont. It's minus four. We're out the front waiting on somebody. They're half an hour late, and it's just me and six Honestly, other news like, station. It's the
1: joy of being freelance. You know, I love it. You know, I've like I've been doing this. I'll be doing this ten years in April, um, working as a journalist, and it's a great. Uh, career to have you know it doesn't really like i've had proper jobs before that i didn't get into journalism until i was 30 so i've had proper jobs in the past and i know what real work is and what real work isn't and it's a real privilege to be able to do it i really enjoyed what i do and i've always been freelance so you know some people may associate me me with one publication or the other or sometimes it's just are you amanda from twitter and you know that's okay yes i exist uh, in twitter and outside it um but I love it. Like it's great. You get to go around, you get a ringside seat to history, you get to see things and get in access to places and people that you wouldn't get to if you weren't working as a journalist. But um whenever the, the Storm and Restoration thing was happening and I was standing outside, um, you know, we were I went up to Storm it because I knew that something was happening, and you got the sense that there was movement somewhere, you know, and it was like after three years of constantly saying to people, you know, there's little chance of Storm being restored anytime soon. It started to feel as if this might actually be happening. And then we got the call that we had to be outside. And when we got down, we were halfway between Carson statue and the main building. And it was like it was about half ten, no half nine, sort of that sort of time uh, at night. And it was absolutely Baltic. Like the security men had told me that the gridders had just left, so that was you know how how cold that they were uh, preparing for that to be. And when we got down there, you know all the cameras were setting up and all the mics and all the rest of it. And usually whenever I'm there, I'll say you know to, to colleagues, is anybody taking this live? You know our team might take it live or BBC or whoever else and i sort of got the sense that it maybe mightn't have been a priority for some of the broadcast um networks so i decided to live stream what was happening and i ended up I had to hold the, the phone for like 45 minutes and it was really random because you know whenever you're doing like a live stream you can see people joining yeah. and you can see the comments and stuff and i was like seeing you know like press offices and politicians and like you know a real sort of like and i was thinking to myself like. I, I can't believe there's this many people who are interested in what's happened here, but apparently that's because I was the only person that was. Broadcast live, it yeah. yeah. So um, that was crack life, but um yeah. So I like hope, hope you had a decent pair of gloves on. you starting with the phone. I didn't because I had I had been shopping beforehand. I had a rucksack on my back. that had a big jewellery box in it, <laughs> and I didn't even have like a proper coat on. I had a poncho and my hand. Like honestly, I do you know whenever you, you do you know whenever you get so cold that you start to get warm. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of those ones. I where, think that, I think that's right before you die. On yeah, Everest, I think isn't it? it's hypothermia, maybe something like that. But, yeah, it's um, like it's
0: where you get really warm and then you just want to sleep. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> <And then laughs> They leave your body up the mountain. <laughs> yeah,
1: so then like the the, the press conference with the Tarniston, with the Secretary of State ended, and then I had to do some live radio stuff, and then back to bed. But you you don't like with this job, you never know where you're going to be. Like, and my work does take me over to London and Dublin quite a bit, and I think that's the thing. Whenever you're from here, that if you're working in Belfast and you're working as a journalist, you have to keep an eye on what's happening in Dublin and what's happening in London, and more so because of Brexit, because you know previously. The interest in this part of the world may not have been what it should have been you know from Britain and from the rest of Ireland um but when something like Brexit happens people care about stuff that it affects them yeah so once that it was like oh what's going to happen here and what does it mean for us you know people start to focus their eyes on so it's been an interesting time and it's had me up and down the road for various things and um you know to to the the president's house uh with the pope and i, I were laughing up at that because <laughs> i was i was trying to describe to my mum how close i was to the pope and mm. uh i <laughs> she was like are you spitting distance and i was like well, probably shouldn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was weird it was kind of weird being in this Settled room with all these yeah. people and like black dresses and then this guy arrives in and he means a lot to a lot of people and um it's just surreal like you're you're sort of Uh, where you end up yeah yeah like it's random because like you know sometimes it's not so glamorous sometimes it's you know protests and Belfast is the city of, of protests and I actually quite enjoy that element you know obviously you not know, whenever it tips over into riots that's not particularly nice to be involved with but, but we're, um, we're not
0: the kind of place that shuts its mouth and lets the world go by.
1: <laughs> yeah look I enjoy going down to you know City Hall and speaking to the different interest groups and there's been a lot of that particularly because we didn't have government for those couple of years that um, people have been on the streets more you know raising their issues and stuff and it's been interesting to be part of that you know around women's reproductive rights and about rights for the LGBT community you know like even even some of the other issues that have that have come up here, it's it's it, I, I like talking to people, and that's why I don't like it. Whenever journalists say there's no value to a vox pop, you know why go out into the middle of the street and ask you know somebody with who's not educated on a, a topic about you know how they feel about it, and I'm like, well, you know, if you want the voice of the people, that's how you get it. Yeah, you know, it's a random it's a random selection. It's not going to be scientific or whatever, but at least you're getting honest thoughts from people. So I I quite like that, and obviously social media means you're able to um have a a closer relationship or people are able to tell you what you've done well or what you've done crap you know yeah
0: you can (laughs) can garner a a sort of an idea of what a society like as a majority or minority believes it to be or whatever you're reporting on have you gotten to that point um obviously because you're freelancing you work for so many different people have you gotten that point is there any of the like the politicians that um or do they think you work for one one place or do you have to identify who it's for when you're asking questions well
1: the way I always do it is whenever I'm going to a job I'll like I'll speak to the person or I'll speak to the press officer or it'll be done you know in advance by email and I'll let them know who I'm working for at that time um but sometimes I'm working for three or four people at the same time but I think most people realize now that I am freelance whereas maybe like in the in the first year of my career I worked um, only for the Belfast Telegraph. After I got my um, placement month out of the way, you know, I was kept on, so I worked solely for them for the first year, and then after that, um, I was advised, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, and I kind of branched out and um, and worked for a whole pile of different people: Sunday Times, Irish Times, Reuters. Uh, I never forget the the Washington Post email and me asking me, did I want to work for them, and I was like how quickly can I reply and say yes to this email? Like so, Without, without sounding yeah. too fangirling. Like <laughs> like. Yeah, so it's been, um, yeah, like I've worked for a lot of different places. There's places I don't want to work for anymore because I don't like their style, so that's fine. Um, and then I do the like radio and TV commentary stuff and then all my online stuff as well. So it's good, it's, it's, it's varied. So it means that like a day where, you know, sometimes I could be working 16 hours a day or you're out or you're away from home or you're, you know, you know that's, that's fine and then other times you're in the house and you're in your pajamas and that's great as well and on the days when I'm at home if I get to watch Countdown that's a great day for me that's yeah. one of the joys of being self-employed that you can you can have a bit of flexibility and that you don't have to get up at
0: 6 a.m. every day. So you're, you're telling me that after a long day of uh, wordplay your favorite thing to do to unwind is fucking wordplay? Is that what you're telling me?
1: I love Countdown honestly it would be, see, if I ever got the opportunity um, to be in Countdown Corner, you know, Dictionary Corner, where you sit beside Susie and you tell a really awful story. Yeah. I would love to be able to do that. Yeah, well, but, you know, it's not I, I used like. to,
0: years and years ago when I got home from school, myself and my grandmother would play a Countdown because I was good at the words and she was brilliant at the numbers. I'm terrible at maths. I can't count So you. I was, I had to be, I was like, right, team game, we'd play them. And then when I got to the numbers, I'd just go, all right, granny, you're up.
1: Yeah, the, <laughs> the only numbers I need to know is, is making sure that I get paid the 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 letters are my thing like I've, yeah
0: you know, the, but the, the um I, I know you're saying like you're, you're 10 years in is it is it nice to have that validation after 10 years where you can decide not to work for somebody
1: um, like obviously when you're
0: freelance it must be like oh there's ethics versus do i want to write for the sun you know that sort of thing like?
1: well the, like, it's come up with me over the years like thankfully and touch wood and I know i'm gonna ruin your acoustics i will touch wood um is that from the very start of me being freelance, I've always been very busy and I've got increasingly busy as each year has gone on. So a lot of times freelancers will come to me, people who are starting out and they'll want advice and they'll want to know, you know, how can they do this and how can they do that? And that's great. And I'm happy enough to share that knowledge because I'm not one of these horrible people that tries to protect all their sources or protect all of their uh, learning. Um, but it's like you don't... I'm, t- I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. I try to explain to other freelancers that my experience of being fr- freelance may not necessarily be what usually happens for freelance writers or freelance people yep. within the media. I do realize that like combined with you know having a bit of talent or whatever else and being good at what I do that there is a lot of, you know an element of luck involved in it and all that sort of stuff um but you know it is it is rewarding in terms of you don't I, I don't want to be in a newsroom. Um, work. You know, I stopped working in newsrooms about four years ago because it just didn't work with some of my clients and didn't work with the way that I was doing things. Um, so there is like there is a there is a variety to to what you can do, but I certainly wouldn't um, be in the position now where I was at the start, where you know you felt as if you always had to say yes to stuff. And there were a couple of times that some of the publications that I worked for, um, it was well-paid, but I didn't really like their style or I didn't really like what they were asking me to do, so I just stopped doing it. Um, and, you know, I, like, I did work uh, for The Sun at the start of my career. for like I did the odd sort of shift for them, but I didn't really like the kind of stories that they were asking me to cover, so I took the decision just to say no to them if they contacted me again. And I justified it at the start, you know... Um, Someone, you know, like obviously the someone be a paper that I would be, uh, you know, a fan of or whatever. And then I thought, well, I'm being paid for my brain rather than my boobs, so that was my kind of justification for my byline appearing in it. But the more I thought about it, the more uncomfortable I was with some other. Their coverage, and I just thought, you know what, I don't, I don't need the byline enough. But not everybody's in a position where they can turn down work, and I understand that. But for me, I've no interest in working for the Daily Mails of this world now or ever. I would rather not be a journalist than do that kind of work.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the good news is now. I mean, you can go work for the Sun now because they don't even show boobs anymore. So. Uh... <laughs> Get in there, kid. No, just talk for all right. a few. I think, <laughs> I,
1: think I'll, I think I'll survive. I think um, someone. I think you're like we're doing okay now. Yeah, just I
0: think get the, in the morning argument. Nelson Macaulay on the radio.
1: I've pretty much worked for most people, um, but I haven't worked for the newsletter and I haven't worked for the Sunday World. And someone once told me that should be my claim to fame, but I don't know whether get those business cards made. Yeah, whether people agree with that or not. But just be like, um, I'm only working for the newsletter if I get to do the yeah. farming news on a Thursday. That's <laughs> it. And I think as well, like the older I've got, the less I care what people think about me and. I really, you know, you have to, like, whenever you're working as a journalist, you know, sometimes people will contact me and say, you know, I'm being asked to do this, I'm being asked to do that. I'm like, well, you don't have to do it. Mm. You know, you, you, you can choose what you put your name on. Sometimes maybe you feel as if you, as if you can't, you can request no byline, so you can say, okay, I'll write it, but I don't want my name on it. You know, it, 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 if it's not from you, then I don't think it's fair to expect people to, to go along with that, which is one of the reasons why I don't like working for other people. I
0: didn't realise as a journalist you could do that. Like, obviously... Um, well,
1: I do it. I know, well, no, I, ju-
0: ju- no, I just mean the, the thing where you can say, don't be, don't be putting my name on that. There it is. But you know, what's the one in, in like, Hollywood movies? It's the director, Alan Smithy. If a director makes something that is complete yeah. horse shit and doesn't want to be known for it, it's credited to this guy called Staff Alan reporter.
1: Smithy. Staff reporter. Is that mean? what it is? Yeah. Well, not always, but sometimes. Look at me sometimes. learning. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> sometimes that's what it is, but I don't know. I just kind of, like you have to be able to like you have to be able to sleep at night you have to be able to like sort of have your own pace and you know be comfortable with what you're doing um and i think the the older i've got and the longer i've been around this i, I don't really care anymore and i think that it's kind of like if you've ever experienced bullying whenever someone bullies you you will only allow them to bully you to a certain point and then you snap and you mean business, and whenever someone knows you mean business, that you know you won't agree to what they're asking you to do, or you're not comfortable with this. I think that, then that's when the dynamic in the relationship changes. Now, not to say that I I have to get along with a whole pile of different groups of people. I work with people in America, I work with people in different parts of Europe, in, in London, in Dublin, in Belfast, whatever, and I can get along great, and there's no bother. But I just I don't want to be I don't want to be in the same room with the same people for the same days and you know this office politics are such and such is taking five minutes more for their lunch break I don't care about any of that so I'd rather just have the
0: Where, where's your office politics is if you run out of tea bags who do I shout at here? because yeah, there... it's me in the house with a laptop going yeah. bollocks
1: and like there is the terrifying part of being freelance is that every month you think okay this is the last month nobody will ever ask me to work for them again I'll never uh, whatever but you build up different ongoing people that you're working for and different offers come in and you decide whether you want to take them or not and that's just the basis that I take it. And well, I mean, that's
0: good. That that had to be, what you're doing now had to be the dream when you started because you're like, I would love the option to go, well, I, I've had the experience of working with, say, these 20 outlets. I really enjoyed working for 14 of them and that 14 can sustain me. So let's just keep working with the nice folks who I enjoy and they treat me right. And you don't, as you say, if you can sleep at night, you're not reporting on stuff. You're like, like I feel kind of dirty writing this. Like I, recently, one of the things I want to talk to you about was, the whole the press scrutiny about what's written yeah. and the causality of it, or what happens after. Um, did did you did you have an opinion about all that stuff? Where I mean, if they're hounding celebrities and it's something because I was you you don't do the sort of tabloid red top stuff. So. Are you talking about
1: Caroline Flack and that yeah. sort
0: of? Um, but, I mean that's only one example. Versus, I,
1: I think this is something that like has come up quite a few times, that not not people that people don't really sort of um they don't like to hear it is that. Yes, a lot of the coverage, um, you know, of her life and her death has been intrusive and sensationalist, and I wouldn't want my name anywhere near some of the things that have been written. But what people read and what people say they read are sometimes very different things. And Absolutely. I know from when you know stuff that you think is, is awful and horrible and you know no public interest and all that stuff, you'll see it right at the very top of the most read sex. You know the number one story, so people are clicking on it. So I think that the the media has a responsibility to be uh, responsible in the reporting and all of the things but the public has a responsibility for their own behavior you know you have to make a decision of what sort of media you want to consume who do you subscribe to what do you click on what do you share all of those things um so i think that the that the the public um the public sometimes doesn't like to hear that, um, you know, and even sometimes as well, like I'll say something like online and someone will say, it's shocking, you know, why I saw my aunt saying the same thing on Facebook and then I clicked on it and couldn't believe what I was reading. And I was like, well, don't click on it. You know, yeah. you knew what you were getting. There is that, I mean, with obviously
0: with the access to the internet and the stuff you can access, the world has become much smaller, but it's it works then on the basis of, thing, like I'm from a small village if there is somebody who is the the flavor of the week or the story of the week, that's the sensationalism. of, did you hear, did you see Jane left Dave? You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So that's the story people want to know about. And that's on a smaller scale. But obviously once something becomes a big story on a worldwide, it's like, well, more people are clicking it, more people are viewing it. Whether they agree with it or they're disgusted by it, they still are are providing the the appetite for it.
1: Yeah. So it's,
0: as you said, sometimes people are just like, that's terrible. But you're just like, but... You've created the market for what you're complaining about
1: yeah it's like I, I, egg. It's I, yeah no I,
0: I wanted i wanted to get the, the sort of the journalist um not even opinion of it because it's not so uh, it's not like a company you would have worked for but there has to be i mean there's two sides to every story so let's have the opinion of what people read what people
1: well, whenever it comes like you know there, there are very clear guidelines for for journalists um Reporting stories around suicide, which is this really serious problem here. You know, there's loads of help available from Samaritans, Lifeline, all those, all those places. There's guidelines in place for how you're supposed to report that, and constantly I see it being reported the wrong way. Constantly I see it being done the wrong way, and it it annoys me because, you know, whenever people whenever people put in the media, put awful stuff, awful content, as it's called. We're not writers anymore; we're content providers. And uh, whenever, whenever that goes out, it's you know, it gives people the the license to sort of tar all journalists with the same brush, and it's not fair because most journalists are good, decent people who who don't have an agenda. You know, no matter what it might say on Twitter or how how some people might feel. Um, you're not all peers, Morgan. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> yeah, um, you know like we're not it's not like some big mad conspiracy where we're trying to like damage people or or any of that but it is difficult sometimes whenever you're thinking seriously have you seen the state of that headline or that coverage or that photograph or even the the story itself Uh, so that can be pretty annoying if you're trying to sort of stick by the rules and try to be you know, decent and honourable and have integrity and, you know, and try and do it the way that you're supposed to do it. Um, but, you know, you can only be responsible for your own behaviour and then just leave it to other people for what they do.
0: Or maybe if there's a massive human tragedy, don't put a pun headline on. I, I know that's not the journalist. That's the, I know there's a sub-editor somewhere being like, what what joke can I make about this? And you're like, you're a piece of shit. Um, yeah. There's there's that issue, as you are saying, look at the state of that headline where people that sensationism where you read a headline and you go "Holy oh shit you click into it and you're like this has nothing to do with what that headline said it's that misleading clickbait culture yeah
1: yeah that's the, it's the sort of and also as well people relying on on their news from like places that aren't reputable even people relying on like around the coronavirus stuff that we're doing at the moment people relying on like some random website that says if you rub ginger on the inside of your elbow that it keeps coronavirus away I'm like where did you read that and it's like some random website nobody's ever heard of and I'm like you know the Lancet the NHS like all of those you know credible sources and I think that's probably because everybody's living online more that it can sometimes be difficult for people to to differentiate between like what is Fake news or what is is real news or like yeah. what is like you a know a reputable source a, a reputable source but I think it, you know, you're, people are trying to know what the, the like the proper websites are or like who to go to for, for
0: I think you're now. giving the general population too much crap really sometimes well, I I like, I like to think people are inherently good. But some, but it's it's that thing of it only... I mean, look at this country. It only takes a couple of people to really fuck it up for the rest of us.
1: But that's the same with everything. It's like, that's what I was talking about earlier. You know, the homophobes and the sectarians and the racist people that are in this society are in the minority. And you kind of sometimes forget that whenever uh, stories are sort of amplified up into space. But I'm interested to know why I'm not allowed to say fake news. Is that...
0: Oh, no, it's not that. It's just <laughs> because you've worked for some reputable places. and But it's what i would describe as you know journalism outlets that have a bit of you know reputation in a good way but that's like fake news is this has become this thing where whether it's fake or not if anybody disagrees with it they can also, just go yeah that's fake news i'm just like yeah. that's not fake news yep, that yeah that annoys me but that, that is something that with the, the uprise of guys like trump where people are or he coined the term i'm like i don't know if he did but he certainly made it fucking <laughs> popular <laughs> I have a cousin in America who's a big Trump supporter and he will ju- you can just go there are some facts from a reputable news source and he'll just go fake
1: news because yeah. that's okay because it dis- because it distracts you know if he's attacking then everybody's looking at you know the attack or they yeah versus did you the- read that thing yeah, he goes, and then they'll
0: just say I, didn't, I don't need to read it I'm like you do
1: yeah well I think that like I think people are becoming increasingly sophisticated in terms of what the of they can see how things are done, you know. Every, that's why I love about something like Twitter because it's a great leveler you know if you're Joe on the street or you're Donald Trump you both have access to a Twitter account Now, fair enough your audiences might be different but you have that platform to be able to say whatever you want and with that comes the horrible people and the people who want to manipulate information but also it's a big pool of people who are really sound and who are good crack and I always like whenever I get tortured online by like trolls or whatever I always have to remind myself that most people that get in touch with me are dead on. Yeah, you know, there's. It's not this sort of like everyone goes on about. You know, it's it's terrible and like you know, social media is making everybody be really horrible. And I'm like, no, they were horrible to start with. They've just got another platform for it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the way it's been because you know, just because you can you know I'm was going to swear but maybe I shouldn't I'll never work again as this goes out and no. I'll,
0: I'll do enough fucking swearing for It okay <laughs> this too. is my podcast I but will I fucking blind if I want to I
1: am I'm quite a sweary person by nature so that's something that I find quite difficult because a lot of times whenever people are being nasty to me online I, I want to tell them to F off or yeah. piss off or whatever else um, and uh, apparently that's not professional, so I'm not like to do it. So. Yeah, but
0: you're your own boss. What a di- what a di- what a dilemma.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like who's gonna sack me?
0: Yeah. Well. See, th- this is one of the things why why one of the reasons I really miss working on building sites is because you can quite literally throw something at somebody and not lose your job. Yeah. But like what did you say? Half a brick.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I kind of because I've been doing this now for ten years, and because I ha- I am at the point now where I will only do what I want to do. I've extended that to all parts of, of my life I just I really have no time for stuff that I don't like Fair enough. and I try as best as possible to, to minimise having to do any of that sort of stuff but I don't know I suppose like I suppose it's not you know if I was to swear like a sailor then it might be the best image and all that sort of stuff but you know I think that I think I I push the I push the line as far as I possibly can uh, without sort of one putting of the everybody things
0: is, off is, yeah one of the things as well because you have your own Twitter there, there's that the dangerous aspect of you also have an opinion you're like here's my factual reporting and here is also my opinion on said yeah. so I'm like there's what I have submitted for my job and by the way
1: yeah
0: here's what I've observed I'm- from being here researching this being on the ground watching this happen yeah so. and
1: so i think sometimes people don't understand that you can do both of those things you know i can report on stuff that um you know what's happening factually here's the information this is what he said this is what she said whatever and i can do that job no bother you know like, it's very obvious to people that i would be pro-choice when it comes to women's reproductive rights but i'll happily give an errand to everybody's views you know, whenever the the debate was happening over the last couple of years and the protests, you know, I would go to the pro life rally as it's called, I would go to the pro choice rally, I would reflect what everybody was saying. So that's alright. So that's the news report taken care of and that's that that's that's that part of your job done. But the other part of my job is doing to, to analyse and to offer my view of things and that is a different type of journalism, a different form of journalism, um and it's equally as valid. But it's, a, it's sometimes it can be hard sometimes to to, to straddle it because sometimes people can't differentiate between the two um but like you know i challenge anybody to go and find a news report that i've written that didn't cover all the bases because they won't be able to
0: brilliant i think being (laughs) being freelance as well but also having your own opinion have you ever have you ever once people see who you're working for at that particular time because you're saying you could be submitting work to three or four outlets has like say a press officer talking to uh, a politician has anyone ever refused to speak to you because of who at that time you're representing? Yes, that has happened.
1: Yeah, it does. It does happen sometimes. Yeah, you know? Edwin
0: Pooch, can I talk to you, uh, Amanda Ferguson from uh, Pink News here? Um, you like, they were like, no.
1: Um, I have. I've had. Um you know, requests for interviews that are in that have been in for a very long time—that gotcha. uh, I don't think that they're going to bear fruit, as they say. Um, yeah, like you know, you have—it's it, the same though. Whenever you, whenever I, whenever I go anywhere, I'll be like, you know, hi, I'm Amanda Ferguson, I'm working for blah blah blah, and I'll name the outlet that I'm working for. And sometimes it can change how the public respond to you, uh, particularly here. Um, you know, and particularly around contentious issues, you can go to somebody. Um, you know, one year. Um, about the, the example of this is, is the time that it, the, um, the, the times that I've been covering the 12th of July and I'll go along and I cover it every year and the first um, about six years that I was working whenever I was there to cover it from perhaps what would be perceived as a, a unionistic type of outlet there was absolutely no hostility towards me whatsoever. Uh, but whenever I went back the following year and just the same thing hi I'm Amanda Ferguson I'm from blah blah and I had had a, had a more of an Irish flavour to the title I got a little bit of kickback and a little bit of sectarianism and a little bit of I won't speak to you and that wasn't you know it may not necessarily have been directed at me because they assumed I was a tag or you know whatever else but it was more that oh we don't like that publication so we're not talking to it so you sometimes get that a little bit um, I don't know like most people are most people are dead on and the majority of people will speak to you and there's no there's no problem with it and I think that everybody's you know like nobody's ever come back to me to complain that I haven't uh, reflected what they've said accurately yeah. so you know I what? try to stick to that I try to avoid being sued I try, to, I try all. I try all those things and ho- thankfully up to this point I've, I've managed to sort of I
0: don't know on. you nearly finished that first pint <laughs> this could be
1: where it gets libelous <laughs> Well, see, so <laughs> yeah, I, I would
0: have thought of it, especially covering something like the Twelfth of July. You rock, and you go, "Hi, I'm Amanda Ferguson." They're mm-hmm. like,
1: "Come on in, Brethren." You know what I mean? That's... Well, there sometimes is that. It's great as well whenever you go out to something, and uh, some people assume you're a Protestant, or they assume you're a Catholic, or they assume something about you. Yeah. They assume you're they assume because you're covering, you know, the story that that you're part of the of their community or whatever. So, you know, a lot of the times it's great that you're just welcomed in as part of of everything else. But sometimes it can be like. Oh, I don't feel really comfortable being here. Um, and that can sometimes be an issue, but it's not in the majority of cases, it's not like it's grand. Um, but that's that's actually one of the reasons why my mum picked Amanda as my name. She gave us all non Fenian names because she wanted us to <laughs> I was going to say that I have styled about this <laughs> yeah but I'm from a mixed background like my mum's a Catholic and my dad's a Protestant neither of them are religious people or political people or anything like that of course um, they're not they're married yes yeah. <laughs> um, well they divorced as well like, but that's another story <laughs> well um... <laughs> only, one, only one of them was okay with that <laughs> um, so I don't know Like I th- I think because and like I went to St Therese of Lisieux in the Antrim well it was originally that's how old I am I went to the Summerton Road school first and then we moved up onto the Antrim Road and then for secondary school, I went to Belfast Royal Academy. So whenever I was a kid in my Jaffa Cakes uniform, the brown and orange, uh, lovely... Yeah, it's changed now. It's, it's brown and blue. Um, but we were Jaffa, we were the Jaffa Cakes and we were the Catholic primary school. And we would have had thrown uh, stones thrown at us uh, from the nearby kids from the, the Protestant school. So I got to experience people being, you know, take this, and that, whatever... And that was that. And then whenever I went to BRA, I was still walking the same route home to and from school and all those things, but this time I had the Protestant school uniform. Now, BRA is, to an extent... Of it's not integrated, but there's a certain amount, you know, it's maybe like a 60 30, like it's a natural kind of thing. But it does feel like a more kind of Protestant kind of school. Like, you know, there were bits of the, the hymns I didn't know, and I didn't, I wasn't familiar with hockey and never didn't know anything about cricket or rugby or any of those sort of things. Extra bit in the Our Father. Whenever I got, whenever I was coming back home, then I got sectarianism from the Catholic boys' school who then assumed I was a Protestant. So I think growing up in a household where everybody was just welcomed. Um, that was at face uh, value that, that was a great grounding and I, I think that people respect that in my work that I can hopefully reflect a lot of different opinions and a lot of different views and I don't come at any of the topics that are contentious here with you know oh I'm on this side and I have an agenda you know some online trolls might think you know because they know that I'm not you know from a uh, predominantly one background or another they might think I have a bias either way but I really don't because like n- none of it bothers me like you see even like even the the language around it, like you know, the Chucky Irish and the No Surrenders, none of that bothers me. Like, and I can quite happily cover, you know, any element of of life in the North or in Northern Ireland for people who are going to shout at me. Good cover. Good cover. Um, I'll quite happily cover that. You know, no bother at all. And I like to think that my background and my experiences, and, and the fact that you know, well, you know, I'm pretty sound. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not out. I don't have this big sort of like media. Agenda one way or the other, and I think most people understand that. All right, you self praise is no praise, you know. Me? Well, you know, this, this is uh, this is the thing as well. She's lost the run of herself, she's full of herself, you know. It's that first pint, it's in yeah. the first pint, <laughs> <is in>. it's,
0: <laughs> it's, uh, it's, nearly,
1: it's nearly it's well, it's not quite in, it's nearly done.
0: Also, that is the only time in history I've ever heard of a Catholic school being referred to as Jaffa's. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, like, well, are like, yes, have got it mixed up. It was because it was the brown and orange uniform. Oh, I got... you know, I, I get yeah, the so thesis, but it's obviously perfect, the, but, uh... the reason over
0: here is people but, yeah, call Orange Man
1: Jaffa. I don't so. know if I'm half a Jaffa, you know. That's true. You well, know.
0: I have the um, I have the thing where like I, I tell a joke of of my parents doing that, where they get, everyone got a nondescript name, yeah, except for my brother Declan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Declan Declan goes yeah, in.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, um, well, we, where we grew up was a mixed area, so that's why. It was only... I didn't... Well, even though I'm from South Armagh, Bestbrook is a, like a 50-50 village. And then my next door... Like, the street I grew up on was all mixed. So, you know, we took the next door neighbours to play, you know, football in Herland. And then we would have went with them and had a go at hockey and all that kind of stuff. So that didn't bother me. It was only when I moved to Belfast, I was like, you
1: people are nuts. I wasn't like... What even is though the I'd fucking ex- issue here? Even like, though I'd experienced a little bit of sectarianism growing up, you know, being like educated in the Catholic school or whatever, I didn't really feel... Like a take until I went to big school because <laughs> I was like, "All oh, right, we're different. Like, we well, this is this is a bit weird, and this this is a bit different." But
0: funny um, as well because you're not, as you said, like you're you're well, a mixed house.
1: Like. Well, well, I was brought up a Catholic in terms of like communion and yeah. confirmation and all that sort of stuff. But like, you know, I'm pretty much an atheist. Although, no, I've rolled back on that. I'm agnostic. It's it it. You know, I'm not going to say that that I know for a fact that God doesn't exist but I think it's unlikely
0: See, you only not talk a pint you've got you, know, you have an opinion
1: we've got an opinion out of you. it doesn't um, but that's the thing But whenever you're here like whenever people talk about people being from a Catholic background or Protestant background I don't think that really applies anymore what people are talking about is really British and Irish identity yeah. it's not even about religion anymore because hardly anybody goes to mass or church anymore anyway yeah. but whenever I went up to that um, the Austrian Museum have a new cultural uh, exhibit in that's like around the dairy Girls blackboard you know the, that. Yeah. the different things you know, Protestants at Abba, and Catholics loves like statues or whatever it was. The in the so cover. I did the test, and I got sixty five percent Catholic and thirty five percent Protestant. So well, that's not Catholic. how genetics work, but okay. Yeah, but that was you know that's you know that probably that's probably about right. <laughs> You're like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah probably like, about right. Eh,
0: yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But you have, um I, I always just think the identity thing is funny here because I think maybe it's something because I myself have always just felt comfortable in my own identity i don't care i mean and i used to get like when i worked in in the south which they'll hate when i say that people would just be oh you're naughty you're a brit and i'm just like whatever that's i and i the other thing as well where i would get stick from people in my own community where I'm from being like oh I don't say Northern
1: Ireland I'm just like I didn't partition the fucking thing <laughs> so I'll say what I want okay it's exhausted, honestly like particularly around this coronavirus thing whenever um the different cases come in you know they're like they're verified by the north uh in the public health agency then it goes over to england then the ones in the south they're done somewhere else and there was a whole big row about like you know the first case on the island and how many cases on the island and yet you have like i understand that language does matter and it doesn't mean a lot to people but it's exhausting when you're working because you're working within you know reality and the 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 restrictions of 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 reality so you have to sort of highlight it but i try to use yeah. language that um that everybody can be comfortable with and that's not me being woke or anything because I hate that but you know I'm happy enough with the North and I'm happy enough with Northern Ireland and I'll mix in between the two that's just just
0: funny. to keep everybody sweet because before they get outraged they keep reading and go oh no she said it here
1: yeah that's well okay. it's also the way that I would talk anyway you know
0: well I put up I put up a little joke today because I'm doing Cold next Tuesday in the Riverside right. Theatre and I, I just put up on the on the event. I was like, come check me out in the, the Riverside Theatre in Cold I'm going to start a ride by walking out on stage and asking what county I'm in. Do you know what I mean? Just <laughs> straight away. I just go, here, what the... <laughs> let's, let's work the audience. Um, but I said as well, I mean, with the coronavirus thing, I was just like... Uh, I was like, all it's going to take is one well-attended week, and we're all fucking dead. So I that's just people shaking hands.
1: I had to, to go to the GP today uh, about something and everybody is a potential coronavirus carrier. Like, I know, I know. I'm per- like on a personal level, I'm not really concerned about it. You know, but then I'm not, like, six stone and 90 years old or whatever. So I understand that my, you know, thoughts on it are maybe different to someone else. Obviously, you're concerned if people have, like, health issues and, and all that stuff. But at the moment, I've kind of, like... I think the older I've got, I've, I'm trying to like reduce anxiety and not worry about stuff because there's no point. So yeah. I'll, I'll worry about coronavirus when it, whenever I need to, if I need to.
0: I I'm the same. I'm people should be. like Are you not panicking because you're like an asthmatic? I'm like, Lord oh goodness, forget it, get it. I know the flu jab's not going to cover me for this one, like, but we'll see what happens. I'm not. I'm certainly not going to live my life trapped in the house. Yeah. I was like I didn't I did not survive Bezbrook in the eighties and nineties
1: to get taken out by the fucking flu. Okay. I would, have, I would have no bother. See, if someone said to me, Oh, you have to spend two weeks in the house, i would be like sweet. Well you <laughs> get work done. I wouldn't. I would I I, I would like to watch like the you know, the trifecta of shows excellent. in the afternoon. You know, what is it? Tenable and then um tipping point and then the chase? I would be all over that every and day. A bit, and
0: about countdown. And
1: you could live stream and you could talk to your mates, it'd be fine.
0: No, I because I my well, my work requires either going to the place I work or a live setting because I'm like, hey, I'm a comedian, you need an audience. Come it doesn't happen without it unless I'm going to start making silly films in the house, which I'm not because mm. I'm just going to either play the PlayStation or watch something on Netflix. So. But I'm not panicking. But obviously, the other thing is as well, um, if you could all stop going on fucking skiing holidays, that'd be brilliant.
1: <laughs> I didn't know so many people were in Northern Italy. Neither did I. I was like, what,
0: what were you doing there? Everybody's skiing. That's what they're doing. Mm. Go do what I did. The one time I went skiing, right? Because I'm fucking properly poor. I went to Andorra, right? So I got a cheap <laughs> flight to Barcelona. I got on a bus for three hours. And then my mates were teaching English there. So I slept on their couch. I pretty much went to a skiing holiday for about 150 quid. Nice work. So if you can afford the fucking £800 to go to Lab de Huez in the <laughs> south of France... Or somewhere in Northern <laughs> Italy. Fuck it yeah, and stay there, okay? Because if you can afford to get there, you can no, afford to stay
1: there. The, the, one of the funny things that's happening now is that my email box is now full of people offering me press trips to mainland Europe. Of course I, oh, do you want to come to, like, here and stay here for a few days? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I do. I'll maybe, I'll maybe wait this out and just see what the crack is like. I love it when uh,
0: travel... Like, do, do you have to your credentials include you showing them a copy of your journalism degree? Because I'll go if you don't want to. I love a holiday. Like-
1: God, I don't know where my... I don't even know where my uh, certificates are. <laughs> I don't really care. Honestly, I... like, And that's the other thing as well. I've, because I've never... I've never been a staffer anywhere. I've never done the proper sort of, like, uh, this is a job interview and this is the job and you've got it or whatever. I've always just been sort of, like, floating around and word of mouth and, and moved on things from that way. But I'm not... I'm a, I didn't realise this until someone, well, I suppose I did realise it, but someone said to me the other day, you don't really like rules, do you? And I was like, not so much. I just, I like doing stuff the way I like doing it. And that doesn't mean that, like, I'm a nightmare to deal with. Like, although one of my nicknames is Demanda, um, a lot of my friends quite enjoy. And that's just wordplay. I like yeah, that. Yeah, they like quite that. enjoy that aspect of, uh, of me, but ugh, I don't know, I just, yeah, I don't, um, I don't think that I'll be going on, I don't think I'll be taking up the offers, is all I'm saying because I would rather not get coronavirus I'm, I'm all um, for that I would rather avoid it um, I'm not worried about it but I would rather avoid it and you know if, if your inbox is being but then it just shows you as well that like this is affecting tourism it's affecting the economy it's bringing up conversations about workers rights because it started off as just a health story and all the health correspondents were like all over it and because I work as a northern correspondent um, and an Ireland correspondent depending on who you're working for um, you know it, it was just about health but now it's about way much more than that um, and it's actually good because it's got us thinking about you know zero hours contracts and what happens to people who um, don't well if I get it I'm in trouble if I don't work I don't get paid and that's just the way that it goes
0: yeah but I feel like there will be an extent I know you, you certainly can't get out and research and be boots in the ground but if you do get it you're at home with a laptop going alright let's do some extra work <laughs> Whereas it's the whole thing where it depends, I suppose how fucking debilitating it is or what what it does to you. But yeah, I mean, I maybe it's a thing where I talked to this, I talked with this, or talked about this with a friend of mine, which was maybe being from here and growing like you're of age and so am I to remember. Maybe we just have a sort of I have a definite certain disregard for my safety. Yeah. Like I, I, did, I, did a, I backpacked Southeast Asia with no travel insurance. I was like, fuck it. And no vaccines
1: either. I don't know. I think that the because this place was the Wild West for so long, um, and because there didn't seem to be anybody particularly in charge and I think there's that there's still a bit of a hangover of that, and it manifests itself in some pretty negative ways. But it also means that um, we're pretty game people, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I quite like. I quite like that about us. Um,
0: I, like I did, I did that when I was in Australia. People being like, "Oh, a spider in there!" i mean, you know, it's like a venomous one. I'm like, eh. "Ah, again, give me a pint of glass." You know that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, spy, I don't know. Like, spy- Look, I'm
0: not, I'm not keen, but I was like. I'm not, I'm not going out this way I have
1: a phobia of birds
0: <laughs> you'd hate Australia I'm grand magpies, like, swoop people. yeah
1: that's, that's the thing it's like it's their beaks and they make my neck stiff whenever they're around and the flappiness and dirty pigeons I hate that I hate like, and I remember having to go to a game fair I think it was in Moira or something and I had to interview a guy who had a European eagle owl on his arm and it was like a, during the interview it was the size of a small child and I was absolutely terrified so because I had to do my job I couldn't you know, I try to. I can, you know, whenever you're standing talking to someone close, but like part of you is moving away from them. I was trying. I was doing that a good bit. Yeah. Um. But no, I can't. You know, if there was a call of the pigeons or or whatever in city in city centre, I would. I'll volunteer. Like, no bother.
0: I just just I just thought of that action of you where you're talking to something but slowly moving away. It's yeah. like it's like somebody you don't want to shift in the nightclub trying to talk to you. Yeah. You're like, get away from
1: me. <laughs> or someone was stinking breath. And you're like, oh, <laughs> no thanks.
0: I um the the eagle thing. I remember. Uh, Yet again, another story. But I was going to like a bird sanctuary, and the guy was like, "Do you want to hold like That's the like, falcon?" And I was I've like, never, "I go for it." it no. Didn't bother me, but I so I had the leather glove on. This thing sitting on my arm, mm. and, I, and the guy was like, "Oh yeah, this with this this thing can crush bone with its claws." And I was like, "Oh wow!" And I'm I'm holding it, and I was like, "So is, is it okay there?" And the guy was like, "He's actually pretty tame. Like if he really wanted to, he go through that thing like a knife through butter." And I'm like, "Why did you tell me that when I'm holding?" Because <laughs> then my arm went. He started sweating. I was like, "Oh god!" And I was like, "Can you take it off me, please?" Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was. And shit myself, but it no, was uh, that's kind
1: of one of the like. Although, in, in, in talking about being scared about stuff, I have try- the older I've got, the more I've tried to avoid uh disturbing stuff because I find mo- like modern life and the reality of life and all the stuff that I hear, um, through the news and, ju- and my work as a journalist that's disturbing enough. So, I can't understand anymore why anybody would want to watch like crime and like horror and stuff that's like frightening. So, I avoid all of that. Like, I like stuff that's a laugh. That's well, yeah, kinda...
0: I like well, I like comedy, and I like horror, so it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I think it was, I think, but that's again uh, being desensitized.
1: I love stand up. I love what you, what you do and what everybody else does. I, I love going to see comics. Like,
0: yeah, well, we we had. I mean, we're we're actually sitting in the room that I have the Sunflower Comedy Club in, which is great. Which you missed because of work. Yes, you were supposed to come to the the open at night and end up not being able to go. So yeah.
1: this is the thing. So just, that's what I'm talking about. It's so difficult for me sometimes to get time off that like two weeks self imposed like. You know, self isolation. I would be quite happy with because it would force me to like take time off. How do, like, how do you book all this? Well, I have different blocks through the year that I know I'm going to be working for different people, and then these sometimes have to clear space. But like the last time I tried to do this was um, one of the times that Patty and I took ourselves off to Donegal, and we purposely booked um, somewhere co- with no phone reception. Co- yeah, I swear to God. Yeah, we booked a cottage that has no Wi-Fi, no phone, no phone reception. To try and get my phone out of my hand and get me away from working because you're always on. Because whenever you're doing like what I'm doing, because you know, I, I'm not, you know, health or education or security or crime or whatever, I'm all a little bit of everything. So you have to keep across everything that's happening. So it feels as if even uh, on days that maybe you do have off a bit, you're always sort of having to keep an eye across everything else. So sometimes you just, I, I wasn't really great about it in the first part of my career, but in the last couple of years, I'm much better with, you know, Booking in, like, you know, for like pampering and like going away and like switching off and like having the, the, the luxury of being able to say, I'm not available on these dates rather than maybe in the past I would have been like, oh, you know, I'll wait and see, you know, what's required of me before I decide what I'm going to do or before I decide to book something. Whereas now I just book it and go ahead because you could spend your whole life putting stuff off and then you'll wake up and you won't have done anything that you wanted to because you've been working for like most of your 30s or 40s or whatever so
0: yeah when you're when you're fit and able to go and yeah. do the things you should enjoy
1: yeah but I do I do need you know like take a phone and put it in a drawer and like do all that sort of stuff and like you I,
0: know, I, I can I can ask you a, a question then of if that's your phone and that that's gear wise number one I'm disappointed I've never seen you wearing like one of those fedora hats with a press card sticking out of them <laughs> so but the gear you need to do your job what are you armed with when, you, like, cause, because you're mobile as well same thing you're not in the newsroom so number one you don't have your lovely hat and a, lap, and a keyboard in front of you Do you rock up with like a laptop or, you're tweeting a lot of stuff do you live tweet and you live
1: I do a lot I do a lot of the stuff on my phone and like you know sometimes I'll I, I can write an entire story on my phone as well it depends because oh, I hate even email on my phone yeah I um, you know there's a computer at home there's a laptop but if I can avoid it, I will just bring my phone. Um, it depends what I'm doing, because some sometimes what I'm doing is if I'm working for for a news agency, I'll be live snapping to them what's happening as it's happening. So you're listening to what's being said, you're messaging, you know, the, the group work, WhatsApp or whatever, saying such and such has just said this, 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 and it's maybe a flavour of what they've said. And then they'll come back to you with, you know, you're recording it at the same time. So then at the end of, you know, the, the information being snapped out, they might come back to you and say, you know, can you expand on that? Or can you give us a fuller quote on that? Or you can write more on that or whatever. Yeah, you've kind of um, bullet
0: pointed the story and now give me the story. Yeah. So this is well, this is what we've live streamed. I want the summary yeah, of it. But, so,
1: but sometimes, sometimes the live snap of it is all that it is. Um, and that's why whenever I'm working for more than one person you know I can get the live stuff out of the way then I can go and do more of it it really depends where I am because sometimes like you know you're standing outside somewhere like with your laptop on top of a bin you know it's like it's not always very glamorous other times you have a workstation and you know if it's an election everybody's set up with tables and you know plug in and all, all of that sort of stuff and um, and I do enjoy their I think I, like I don't do as much writing now as I used to. Um, you know, at the start of my career, it was all writing, whereas now I'm doing a, like a good bit more talking. And they're different skills, and they're different um things. But the good thing about um, the good thing about the broadcast side of stuff is that once it's done it's done and then it's away you know it's live and it's happening and then it's away yeah. but I think it's just the same with everything the more you do stuff the more comfortable you are with doing it so like whenever I was starting out um, you know doing broadcast stuff I would, my heart would have been racing through the roof and I would have been sweating and I would have been panicking and I would have been worried about it whereas now because I've done it so much I don't have that same adrenaline anymore um, not not that it manifests itself physically anymore anyway um. Although that night up at Stormont, um, they were laughing because I got my Fitbit out and you could see where like my heart had like you know gone up whenever I was doing like live stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's, I don't know. It's, yeah. So I have like just my iPhone and then I have like a wee voice recorder and stand and mics and one for indoor and outdoor laptop computer. But if I can do it on my phone, I will. Um, and that's, <laughs>
0: you're talking uh, to a man who's recorded 22 episodes of a podcast. Yeah,
1: exactly. Using a,
0: a Huawei, so yeah, that's fine.
1: Pretty much, yeah. So, um, and then obviously, oh yeah, uh, the, the old-fashioned stuff: notepads and pens and, pe- and pencils, uh, because sometimes you know you're dealing with uh, you're dealing with a lot of like either complex inf- like our job is to condense complex information down and put it out in a way that. Like a, a wide range of people will be able to understand it. So sometimes you do have to make notes and you know, yeah, yeah you will be even just bullet points to, to reference from so that you make sure you hit everything and you get all the facts that are out.
0: Um well see see I had the thing where when I first met you, I just met you and we were having beers mm-hmm. and it was like I had never seen you on TV and then I met you and then I saw you and I was like, Oh, it's Amanda you know, that kind of yeah. thing. whereas it where it's instead of that sort of that kind of the faceless expert of the journalist who they just pop up and go give us an opinion and they say something and they're gone I, when, when you were on the TV then I was just like I know that girl I could joke with her yeah <laughs> I get steaming that way on there
1: yeah um, no it's weird because I, I resisted doing the broadcast side of stuff at the start of my career when people were asking me to do it because I knew I had a lot of opinions but I wasn't really confident about sharing them and then I was concerned about you know like how, how do you how do you straddle that reporting and uh, opinion side of things uh, and I wasn't really interested in doing it either and then the more people ask me, I I just said, yeah, the first time. And then the more you do it, you know, it generates more work for you. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's like, I enjoy all elements of what I'm doing. Um, and there is a buzz. The the only annoying thing sometimes about about the broadcast side of stuff is that you do go away thinking, Oh, I wish I'd said this or I wish I'd said that. But, um, something that I still do that I try to encourage other young journalists to do is no matter what, you are doing whether it's you're writing a story and sending it to a news desk or whether you're going on radio whether you're going on tv always try to read back or listen back or watch back on what you've done and that's not like vanity or whatever it's not so you can be oh aren't I aren't I brilliant you know it's because that you'll be able to identify where you could do better for some people they just do it and walk away and then that's it and they don't want to see it again whereas I like to go back and think okay like you know or, or check if i've been accused of saying something that i haven't been accused of um but most times it's to try and, and learn because whenever like i don't really think that journalism is a people talk about you know is it a is it a trade or is it a profession and someone said to me um you know in the middle stage of my career it's actually a craft because you're never done learning you know, I think that's why journalists are good at pub quizzes because we're constantly picking up bits of information all the time about yeah, stuff. It your head. Uh, sometimes it goes in and it tips out the other side or whatever, but you do know like a little bit about a lot of things. Um, and I like to think that I'm always trying to improve what I'm doing or get better at what I'm doing. Um, you know, whether that be talking too fast whenever you're dealing with like radio stations in Britain or you know. The way you've written something like when I look at stuff that I wrote in 2010 compared to stuff that I, that I write these days like I die inside sometimes at like how I structured stuff but it's all learning like and you have to and that's why I like you know the, the helping out students because they're kind of the only people that I'll do free stuff for because yeah. I know what it's like to be starting out and trying to prove yourself and and, and trying to you know get better at what you're doing and trying to learn uh, but everybody else has to pay.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> This, this podcast recording has cost me £2, so... Sweet. This is probably the cheapest rate you've done <laughs> for in a while.
1: Yeah, so it's going to cost you another pound when we're done.
0: Exactly. Well, for now, when I get downstairs, that was the contract. I am uh, I'm mad at my word. <laughs> but, um, no, uh, you were saying recording stuff. I do that with stand-up, where I record back. And it's not the vanity of, oh, fuck, how funny am I? It's the vanity of me going, you need to be better. If you want to be vain, you need to listen back to this. And I listen back to stuff, and I'm going, Darren, stop saying, um... Yeah. when you're saying know what you're supposed to say and say it properly because i just sound like i'm bringing it or like oh yeah i'm making this up as i go along and it sounds like that sometimes but it's not because it's, it's a written art form or it's a written as you say a craft so there's stage craft and there's, there's a lot of uh parameters that are well, a lot of comparisons but the main one is that you probably get paid better for yours so it's <laughs> being freelance as well and we'll do this as a last question okay uh, have you ever had when you're doing enough of a job for somebody has anyone ever wanted you to come on full time, and you had to be like, I kind of enjoy the free time, or are people happier to have you on call?
1: Um, I, I have been invited to like you know to take up opportunities that would be more of a sort of staff kind of role that I haven't gone for. Um, I think I just I think I like I think I like. The, The way that I do stuff now, I think that even though you know, whenever you're freelance, there's no sick pay, there's no holiday pay, you know, there's no um, security or whatever. But I think that because, because I had that kind of uh, security in the career that I had before I was in journalism, um, it bored me. And I know that, like, I know that for for many people it's, like, it's relaxed and it's great and that's what they want and that's fine. But for me it wasn't. And I just really, I, I love the buzz. I love that sickening feeling of, like, deadlines and jeopardy and, you know, all all, all that sort of crack. So I, I think that, I'm not sure that uh, an employer could handle me. I think I would be too, um, what's the word? I would be too... Uh, Unionized, maybe. I don't know. I would be too. I would be
0: too. Uh, you're like, lads, if you're paying me for forty hours a week, yeah. I'm doing forty. I don't like a week. rules
1: that I yeah. don't like rules that make no sense. I don't like uh, people telling me, you know, oh, you have to do this just because I say. You know, which is why I would never make a good soldier or you know, any, anything like that. Um, I just uh, I'm a bit more of a free spirit and uh, I can't be tamed, is what I'm saying, Darren. You Got know, like, no problem. Um, I think I think uh, I think being freelance and being my own boss is probably the best way for me. And you know, as I said, if people, I've been doing this for ten years, and you know. I enjoy what I do and some other people seem to enjoy what I do and if they don't enjoy what I do anymore I'll just do something else because I don't you know I'm not desperate and um, whereas some other people are and I, and I don't feel that sort of desperation I feel I feel privileged to have been able to do what I've been doing for the last 10 years and if people want me to do it for another 10 years then that's great and if you know I'm interested I'm actually interested in doing stuff outside of media and outside of journalism now because I think once you've been doing something for this length of time that you know, not that it becomes samey because of course it's like a you know, it's a fun job and it's an interesting job and things are always changing. But I'd love a new challenge and, and that's kind of um why I was getting my photograph taken today because um trying to sort of look to, to a new business venture as well. So that's will be... If that doesn't
0: work out and you want to give stand-up a go, I'll take you up here if you want.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, no, I'll, I'll happily go and see Captain see. Ryan and Chris Rock and all the rest. Um, see how good
0: a writer you
1: Do <laughs> um, you know, I would love to write, uh, do, do more creative writing, but, like, being I couldn't stand up and perform like you guys do, there's no way I could do it. I love it, and I love laughing on um, um, that, but there's no way I could, Feel I could do Feel free to do a bit
0: of writing for me if you want. I'm a lazy <laughs> bugger when it comes to that, car. But, um... We, we, we'll, we'll probably leave it because we talked about you your, your sort of live persona and what you're on so if people want to actually follow you and see what you're doing is Twitter the best one or are you on a multitude of platforms
1: Um yeah t- Twitter Facebook and Instagram are the main three uh, Twitter's Amanda F. Belfast and Instagram's the same and Facebook page is Amanda F. Media I think I don't Sorry? know why that's slightly that different but yeah that, that's me and it's I know, I need,
0: I need to tidy mine away a bit better that they're all the same as well, so I need to change those bits, but... Yeah, and we'll,
1: like, we'll I'm happy for people to say hello, you know, come on, say hello and let me know what you think or give me a story, whatever. Awesome, whatever
0: you've got, this is the lady to talk to. So,
1: uh, Amanda, thank you very much for coming on to thank the podcast. You,
0: for me. you are welcome. That's a nice tidy, just over an hour. Love it. Well done. You're the first person I managed to keep. I'm like, let's do, a pro- I think, yourself and... Actually, Kate, who is another broadcaster. It's like timing.
1: It's like we know timing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Um, So, guys, check out Amanda's stuff on her various social medias. If you've uh, forgot what they are already, rewind a minute and a half. For God's sake, stop being so lazy. It's a podcast. Uh, If you've enjoyed this, guys, like, share, and subscribe. Um, Oh, yeah, you can do this for me. You can help build my phone. Yes, I will. I'll be sharing this all over the place. Fantastic. Amanda's like, do you like opinions? (laughs) Here's an R of mine. (laughs) Uh, like, share, and subscribe, guys. Uh, this has been uh, the latest episode of Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends. I will stick this up later on this evening, so I'll be there for the weekend. People can listen to it and have it a nice Saturday morning or Sunday morning breakfast. And uh, thank you for listening. Amanda, say goodbye. Let's go get a beer.
1: Goodbye. Thank you. More beers, please.
0: Oh, yeah.